Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. I'm the host of the show. This is episode 134, and lots of things swirling around the internet and uh, things going on with regards to scheduling and so forth. Uh, So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, here's what we've got coming up on the show. We actually have two guests today. We're going to talk with Jody London, and this really is kind of a, a bit of a rewind, but at the same time, a look ahead. Um, we, uh, we were not able to speak with Jody after classic weekend of which he had three major races over the course of that weekend. So we're going to talk to him about all of that. Um, and, uh, of course, what uh, he's doing for 24, because he's back, which is great. So uh, Jody's always fun. We're going to talk with Jody. And then we've also got Wiggity Wayne. We uh, we we talked with Wayne Hanslick, um, who is, of course, the Wiggity, in, or the Wayne, I guess, in the Wiggity Wayne uh, Sauces lineup. And uh, he is the founder and president, CEO, whatever, uh, official sauce master. Um, and he's going to uh, talk to us about some of the flavors and, and kind of where this has all come from uh, in our sponsor spotlight. We like to do that for our sponsors um, as we can. And um, I also should point out while we're on the topic of sponsors, if you live in Oswego or in the Oswego area, the fish fry is back at LaGroff's Pub. Skip's Friday Fish Fry at LaGroff's Pub. On Fridays, fish, fries, uh, slaw, I think. Um, but uh, the, the, the works. And you know how big the pieces of fish are that uh, you, you got from Skip's Fish Fry. Well, uh, you can get that every Friday at LaGroff's Dine-In or Takeout. So go take advantage of that. Please support um, the folks who support racing and especially super modified racing at Oswego and elsewhere. So uh, we appreciate all of our sponsors, of course, IPC Indy, IndyPerformanceComposites.com, um, Rich Worth and JNS Paving, and as we mentioned, LaGrasse Pub and Wiggity Wayne Sauces. So um, we've had Sean Cathcart on. We got to get Sean back on. Um, to talk about uh, the new edition and the fish being back and uh, what he's got in store for over the winter. Um, And of course, um, uh, we've got Wayne on today, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Wayne. Really, two of the nicest gentlemen I know in the sport, Jody London and Wayne Hanslick today. So it should be a fun show. Uh, What's in the number? We're going to talk the number 34. So any of you that have been around the track a while, you kind of know where that's going, right? Um, because you know how old I am. So uh, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, and uh, I want to start, though. I mentioned the schedules earlier. 
and um, the Oswego schedule's out, and uh, we'll go over that more in depth with Cam. It's available online if you want to check it out. Uh, basically, it's it's uh, similar to this year's uh, for twenty four. the The two I think biggest changes that I noticed where uh, John Nicotra announced that uh, his Oswego Speedway Challenge Series is a five-race series once again. However, the addition of the 10,000-to-win Mr. Supermodified event means that instead of three top-wing events and two tail-wing events, we have three tail-wing events and two top-wing events. I like that better, but I also do like the fact that John... Uh, at least at this moment, seems to think it'd be cool to kind of alternate that balance back and forth every year just to try to, um, you know, keep keep everybody happy. And I think that's a great idea. So um, excited about the Challenge Series being back. And again, no major shifts to the schedule. The one thing I do like, this is the other, I said there were two things that I noticed. Um is that the 350 Supers are going to be racing all the time. Uh, basically, if the big blocks are in action, so is everything else, which I love. I think it's a, a, a great way to do it. Um, and, of course, Classic Weekend, pretty much the same. Um, the Dave London Memorial for the Super Stocks on Friday, and then the... Um, XR race uh, for the Sportsman Modifieds on Saturday with the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. And then all three super divisions on Sunday. Um, Only thing not etched in stone yet is the um, addition on Friday night, whether the um, compact cars will come back. So we'll talk with Jody about all of that. But um, schedule basically the same, and I'm excited about that. Now there was there was another announcement that was made, and I'm just kind of waiting to see where this goes because I got excited when I saw that the Star Classic was coming back. Now, I know that the Star Classic is an NESS race for 24. Um, that doesn't bother me too much. It is... A New England event after all here's what is bothersome though there are two things about this because the way that I look at this is if if this is done in, in in my opinion the way that it should be then we gain another major super modified event in the return of one that was part of the triple crown for how long um but right now as it stands, there's some complications here. So the Star Classic is coming back. And at, at almost the same time, it was announced that the Isma Classic, the John Burr Memorial Isma Classic, there will be a second annual. It's coming back to Evans Mills. Now, the big issue here is they're on the same day, same weekend. Um, and, and that right there is a problem. Now, there are a couple of other issues, too, with the Star Classic in terms of outside participation, because remember, the NESS has a wing rule that 
uh, basically mandates the valley wing only. You have you have two slightly different wing setups. Isma wing, valley wing. Now they're both twenty four square foot wings. The valley wing, from what I understand, or I'm coming to understand, I believe is a little bit shorter or a little bit taller and um, uh, slightly narrower. Whereas the Isma wing is a little bit shorter, but a little bit wider. They're both 24 square foot wings. And, you know... Two stage is two stage. There are slightly different shapes. Now, I have tried to find out to get anyone to give me a sensible, rational explanation for why the NESS chose to go strictly with valley wings And so far, I've gotten none. The original explanation I got from their, I believe now, former PR guy was that um, Bentley Warren said that he was afraid of the wings, the Isma wings, afraid that they would, they could hook together. So, you know, let's, let's. You should do it this way. Go with a valley wing because they're less likely to hook together. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't seem to make any sense to anyone else. Then I, you know, we've had some speculation that, well, maybe it's price, but I don't think price is really the issue. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know if maybe Valley has some sort of financial interest in this. And if so, that's fine. But why don't you just tell everybody you know but here so the problem with the star classic is the star classics back in the schedule but as of right now there are only you know 12 or 13 cars that are likely to show up at it one because it conflicts with the isma classic directly at the moment but then two because you got this 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 wing issue wingding as i called it in my column um from earlier this 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 or last week when I wrote it, um, I, I, I don't know why you, this would seem easily fixable, right? I mean, just John Nicotra had the fix. Just if Star Speedway and NESS just agree that as long as you have a two-stage 24-square-foot uh, wing, you're fine. That opens it up to more cars so that nobody has to go buy an NESS legal wing just for one big race or however many races are going to compete with NESS, you just shouldn't have to have two different wings. That's silly. Um, we're trying to keep costs down. Now, the the obvious big elephant, though, is the scheduling conflict. Now, John Nicotra online said, well, uh, I got a $10,000 sponsor. Um, if Evans Mills wants to move their date, and then I, I think he said something about to Friday and it would be a double I boy that's asking a lot I love the idea but is that even feasible I mean could you go from Evans Mills to Epic New Hampshire and and get you know still get sleep and get there in time to unload and run 
you know, the classic there. I, I don't know. Um, not sure why we couldn't have them on separate weekends. For years, the Star Classic was the week after the Oswego Classic. And then there was a reason why they had to change it. And I don't remember what it was. But it was just a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, that it changed to the to two weeks after the Oswego Classic. And, um, you know, they've got a bunch of big races. So um, could we... You know, again, as as we sit here and think about this, it's like, well, how do you fix it all? Well, first of all, could Evans Mills, would it be feasible? It's still October. Why could Evans Mills run a week earlier or a week later? I mean, you'd have back-to-back-to-back big races. That would seem to be a good thing, for the, especially for those who are inclined to travel. And if you could then take and get some sponsor money to do best average finish, so you've got incentives now to run all three. How cool would that be? Now, of course, even if we move the date, we still have this wing issue, which would seem to be the easiest fix on the planet. If only everybody wanted it to be. The question is, do the NESS folks want it to be? And the, the, the thing that I think about as a, as a promoter former promoter is a business person. I mean, I, I mean, Tom Mayberry has to realize that if, if, if he opened up the wing rule, you could go from, you know, 12 or 13 cars to who knows, 18, 20, 22, who knows how many people would go. Particularly if again, you know, there were some incentives for competing in all the events. And how how many of the Valley cars would, how many of the NESS cars would go to Evans Mills then if there were incentives to compete at all three events? How would that play into? Now you have another issue that NESS presents, which is they allow crate motors. Um, it, the Star Classic is their sanctioned event. That's not a problem. My fix for that is Isman Oswego should put that on the books. You want to run a crate, run a crate. And come up with a way to equalize. Gearing, whatever. Weight, however you got to do it. We are so close to unification. Complete unification of the big block supers. Now we've got issues with the 350 class, but that's not for this show. Um, the big blocks are the issue here, and we are one step away, and we would gain an additional major event. Now, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, and that's why I'm trying not to be too heavy-handed here. I'm just offering some practical solutions that could help to make all of the potential cars that would want to go to both of those two races, Evans, Mills, and Star, Star, uh, that, you know, I, I would like to see everybody be able to run all three. That would help everyone, wouldn't it? It would make Bobby Weber happy, get more cars. Would make um, the fans happy. Make some of the teams happy. I mean, we, we were this close. 
I, I I would like to see big picture thinking prevail here. I don't, I, I, it just, it's hard for me to grasp why an organization like NESS would want to isolate themselves and especially with a field that is basically a heat race. 12 or 13 cars is not a main attraction. It's a heat race. And the star classic, if it's to be the star classic of old, needs to be more than 12 or 13 cars. Otherwise, that that race is basically, now the Supers are more or less a companion division. And I just feel like we could do better, right? And we sh- I would think we would want to from a business standpoint. Everybody would want to make more money if they could. So hopefully that gets straightened out because that's really, um, that would be unfortunate because again, even if it's one or two cars that, you know, either way. So if you're in New England and you would go around Evans Mills and oh gosh, now we got the Star Classic, I'll stay home and run that. Evans Mills and the fans there lose. And then the other way around as well, because, you know, if, if driver A or B wants to go run Star Uh, even if we separated the dates, um, can't because of the wing deal or, you know, whatever that's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to make sense. And, you know, it's really honestly time for everybody to move on from the past, their grudges and egos and whatever is, is driving all of this. Like I, we we could do better here, I think. So I'm not sure what all the forces are that are currently in play, but I'm hoping that, um, I mean, John DeCoach has been amazing. He's been really the only guy that, that's, that, and then of course, you know, Danny Sewell and, and the MSS folks bringing that alliance back into place. Um, but John has been the driving force and, and, you know, John is a good voice of reason here. John sees the big picture. I don't always agree with John that it's just about money, but certainly money helps. And I, you know, I would continue to hope that there's more money being paid to the back of these purses instead of just the front. Because that's the real incentive for more cars to come out of the garage. The less it costs me to go to the track and race for the 20,000 to win or whatever it's going to be, um, the more likely I am to take a shot. But if it's going to cost me too much money, if I can't make enough to start the race, so, you know, let's let's get it from 2,000, or I think it was 2,000 to start this year, let's get it to three or four. Start working on the back. Um, but I, I mean, but John has been really the 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 driving force here. And so hopefully this all works out. We've still got plenty of time to make the necessary adjustments on on all sides to create one rule book, one schedule that everybody can can live with. I mean, we know that NESS has got to, you know, they're going to have their eight or 10 races or whatever during the season. And some of those are probably going to conflict with the Swigo or whatever, because, but that's, that's just how it is. But at least for the star classic, um, I would like to see, you know, and again, anything post a Swiggle classic that gets run, I would like to see all the cars be available. 
And if we could unite all the rules, then it just opens all that up. And I don't see where Oswego and Ismo allowing a crate motor as an option makes any difference to any of the guys with built motors at all. It might help some of the lower buck guys who might try the crate. If the crate was competitive, that may that may be something they try. And going to get harder and harder from what I'm hearing from the street, going to get harder and harder to get these built motors. There's less and less people doing them. So, you know, maybe we need to look at that. I would, again, this is, this is a time when I think everybody needs to be open-minded about everything. And all things should be on the table to improve the long-term stability of the super-modified class because, I mean, even at Oswego, definitely things improve this year. But if you take Joe Gozik out of the regular weekly lineup and just insert him in as a part-timer, and you take Allison Slowed out because it's rumored that she may not be back. We don't, Again, I haven't heard anything since Classic, so I'm not sure where that stands. But, you know, there's two cars gone out of a, an average 14, 15 car field, except when the Challenge Series runs and we get over 20. But I think the only time we hit 30 was for the Classic and we barely had it. But we did make that progress. We did get to 30. So, um I do think that we're on the right path here. I just hope everybody opens up their their mind to getting on the same page. So we'll see where all of it goes. But I love Oswego's schedule. Um, I don't know if I saw Retro Night on it now that I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure. I'll have to look at it again. But I don't know if Retro Night's on it or not. I hope it is. I hate to see that gone because I know that, you know, and I, and I think that should be a night that gets built as a theme night. I think we should try to encourage those with the the restored cars to have them there. And of course, you know, obviously if the reunion is able to be held, that would be awesome. The old timers reunion hasn't been in a few years, hoping, you know, Jimmy Ferlito is, is uh, up to it and healthy enough to be able to, to, to do that again next year. But um, it's a big undertaking, but it certainly is a cool event. Um, so again, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I just glossed over it uh, when I was looking at the schedule. But um, I'm trying to um, trying to pull it up real fast here and um, and see if it specifically lists uh, Retro Night on the card and. I mean, I'm the only thing I'm seeing here. I mean, I look at August, I which is usually when it is the third of August. It just says Twin Forties Round Two, so I don't know if that is going to be also the Retro Night or not. But then it's uh, Mister Super the next week in the Track Championship the following week. So I'm not sure what all is um, being planned there. But I would hate to see that. You know, if you're not going to have a specific night during the year, then what could we do at Classic? How could we make that, fold that into classic? Make that part of classic week and weekend? Because I, I, I think that's important to keep the history alive. I think it's important. And we've got more and more of these supers that are now being restored. It would be nice to get as many of them there as we could. And I, I feel like classic really is a great way to do it. Even if you're going to do away with a night during the year, why don't we just do it for classic? Just makes the classic weekend deal bigger, right? So 
Um, again, just some thoughts, but for the most part, love the Oswego schedule and love that the Star Classic is back. I just hope that we can resolve that conflict, both schedule conflict with the Isma, John Barisma Classic, and also I hope we can get the wing, wing ding thing figured out so that um, we can make the most cars available to go and then maybe, you know, some things could be worked on again as uh, some sort of, you know, incentive for best average finish in all three of those shows and maybe throw in the Sandusky Classic too. So you've got the big four, you know, kind of thing and come up with some incentives and uh, and try to get everybody going to those events and participating in all four of those events. All right, so um, that's the open segment. Went a little longer than I probably wanted to, but um, we're going to step aside when we come back. We are going to talk with um, Wiggity Wayne. Wayne Hanslick going to join us, and then Jody London is going to talk with us as well. And uh, what's in the number is number 34. We'll be back with more of The Groove right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to the show. I don't think that uh, when I was younger and I was first starting out in radio, I don't think that I ever had heard the phrase or the word wiggity before. Um, and I, therefore, I never thought uh, in a million years I'd ever use it uh, in my broadcasting. But here we are, uh, 35 years later, and I'm about to introduce uh, a gentleman named Wayne Hanslick who has created a line of sauces, ketchups, and rubs to absolutely elevate your um, race weekend grilling and, um, and, and food eating time um, called Wiggity Wayne Sauces. And so, uh, Wayne, uh, welcome to the show and uh, glad to have you aboard. Um, you, you have, you've done a cool thing here. You've created a character uh, around this whole sort of sauce line that you kind of enjoy popping in and out of. Um, and I, I'm curious, how does, how does one kind of just have this, this thought that, Hey, I'm going to create some sauces, some ketchups, some rubs and, um, and, and call it wiggity Wayne. Where did that come from? Hi, Tom. Well, thanks for having me. Well, it all uh, started, um, a friend of mine actually years back, you know, he had a nickname playing sports, you know, hockey, baseball, football. 
and he started calling me Wiggity, Wiggity Wayne, and it stuck. <laughs> okay. So that's how the name came about, and then um, I take my girlfriend to her first NASCAR race down at Charlotte Motor Speedway five years ago, and we go to the World of Outlaws on Friday night. I She wears glasses, so I got a bigger pair of goggles, and she was reluctant to wear them. I'm not wearing these things. I'm like, well, you're going to have to. <laughs> so oh, she ends up wearing them. Sunday is the NASCAR race, and, you know, you get to the track early, and, you know, we get ready for breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, because the race is later, you know, in the afternoon, early evening. And I like to have a good time, so... I brought the goggles, I had a pair of fake costume teeth, and, you know, a fake fake brimmed hair hat. So I put it on in the truck of the cab, and I walked out. You know, she was cooking breakfast and making coffee. And I walked out in this getup, and she just lost it. She was on the ground crying. <laughs> so it stuck, and, you know, I always was into barbecuing and grilling and you know, I'm a foodie and, you know, I like to eat and try different things. And I just figured, you know what, in the racing world, um, whether you're racing or a race fan and at the racetrack, I don't care if it's your local track or NASCAR or wherever, you got to eat. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do this. And here I am, Wiggity Wayne Sauces. So yeah. it's, you know, I launched it five months ago and it's taken off and here I'm, you know, working with you. <laughs> well, um, we're excited to, to have you as part of Steering Wheel Nation and uh, thankful for that. And, and we're, we're excited to help you get out there and, and get known. Um, I, I'm curious, some of the flavors that you've got, um, I mean, are just, you know, uh, again, I always joke that you've got everything from mild to holy cow called the fire department, <laughs> right? Um, you know, how do you come we up? Do. How do you come up with these, you know, flavors, beer flavor and, and jalapeno and, and or habanero, I should say. And, and you know, what, how do you how do you come up with these and um, and how do you come up with the names? <laughs> well, I have a lot of help. Um, I have some great people helping me out with you know, the recipes and, and getting everything to, um, production. Um, and you know, we just sit down and, and rack our brains and, you know, use, you know, the best, um, ingredients that we can get. And, you know, I, I know he, you mentioned a few, um, our number one seller is our, um, apple pie moonshine barbecue sauce. And it actually has, um, <laughs> fresh, fresh apples in moonshine. Um, granted, you know, the moonshine's cooked out, but you know, there's still flavor there. Um, you know, we have our dragon's breath habanero hot sauce and our <laughs> habanero uh, ketchup. And we use fresh red Caribbean habaneros, which have the best flavors. Um, so yeah, we, we like having fun with the names and, you know, we are creating some great, great flavors. And so how, <laughs> How, when you come up with a name like Dragon's Breath, I mean, do you, you know, do you, do you do a focus group and, and, and ask people if they like the name or do you just sort of throw it out there and, and, uh, and hope for luck? Cause I mean, I, I joke and, and we're having fun with this, but the reality sure. is obviously, you know, it, it, you say what's in a name. Well, really everything, because, um, 
you know, I feel like, for example, when, you know, when I, when I hear Dragon's Breath, you know, I'm like, well, this is just automatically, I know that if I'm 24, I'm gravitating to that because I grew up with, you know, probably Dungeons and Dragons and whatever else that like, it's, it's something that in my mind says this might be for me, but yet then somebody my age looks at it and goes, I'm not going near that with a 10 foot pole. Cause it's probably <laughs> call nine one one hot. Yes, it is. Well, our dragon's breath is so, um, hotness is measured in Scoville units and our Scoville units on the dragon's breath is 60,000, which it's up there, but there's some sauces that are a million Scoville units. Uh. Um, you know, our flavor, the flavor is there. Um, you know, the finish is spicy, but everybody loves it. And that's becoming very popular, our Dragon's Breath. Um, and, you know, you know my girlfriend, Cindy. Yeah. We sit down and we collaborate and we come up with these crazy names and we throw them at a few people and they love it. And it's working. The apple pie moonshine, where did that come from? Because that's a really interesting combination. And I know that you were, you were, uh, some of this whole kind of brand concept is influenced by, you know, Southern and NASCAR and all of that. But where, where, where does it, 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 okay, I, I, let's do an app. Well, you know what? Let's, let's put some moonshine in there too. Yeah. Why not? I, we just, (laughs) why not? (laughs) Why not? Um, yeah, we, we sat down and, you know, we talked about it and, you know, I mean, you can do anything with a barbecue sauce. You know, we, we have spicy, we have mild, but it was just something different. You know, the flavors, I mean, who doesn't love apples, you know, a a good apple and you throw it in some sauce and, you know, add a little moonshine and here we are. It's our number one seller actually, Tom. And, um, we're having a lot of fun with it and it's, yeah, it's a good one for sure. When does the bacon flavor line come out? That's what I want to know because that's what I'm into. I, everything's better with bacon. It's so funny you say that because we are, you know, talking about that. Everybody does love bacon. And um, I don't care what it is, whether it's something sweet with bacon or spicy with bacon, it works. So we're down the road we're, we're working on some stuff <laughs> okay so let's get deeper into the actual uh different kinds of products so um because not all of us are uh master grillers or foodies and i'm I, i'll be the first to admit that i'm really a basic basic guy when it comes to you know things i eat things i like and um you know, and I, and I, I can't, I can't do spicy stuff. I don't do spicy stuff. So, but, but I want to understand, okay, so let's talk about your sauces. So, um, a barbecue sauce obviously is a condiment basically, right? It goes, um, you know, you're putting it onto meat or whatever. Um, if talk about your, your sauces and kind of relate to, um, what, what they're best with because not everything goes with everything does it no that's what i thought unless it's bacon flavored yeah unless it's bacon flavored (laughs) right but it's it's crazy you know i love getting feedback from my customers family and friends you know what they're using you know the sauce is on i mean you know i think barbecue and i think ribs I think okay. pulled pork, um, brisket, but people are putting them on their, 
their sandwiches, their, you know, chicken sandwich or um, a hamburger. Uh, just recently, I had a friend, he did some hamburgers, and you think ketchup mustard. Well, he puts on Wiggity Wayne's apple pie moonshine barbecue sauce on his <laughs> hamburger. There you go. So people are using it, you know, whatever, dipping um, and just slathering it on whatever they can. I They can't get enough of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, there, you know, there, there's nothing like a little shine in your burger, right? Um, it's, um, there you go. That one was free. Um, so... Um, You've but you've got rubs as well, so um, we do. And and talk a little bit about. I would love to know which came first here. You have sauces, you've rubs, you've ketchups. Um, talk about first. Let's talk about the rubs. What have you got for rubs? And and again, um, talk to us about if you're you know if you if you if it's chicken here maybe this is good. But try them all, right? Obviously, sure. So we have um, three rubs, Tom. We have our beer can chicken. Uh, rub, which, you know, I mean, a lot of people do beer can chicken. I, I don't know if, if you know how people do beer can chicken, but you, you take a whole chicken, you set it, you open up a beer can, you yep. put it on the grill. Yep. And, you know, now we just took it to the next level by adding some, you know, seasoning to it. And, um, that, that's a really good seller. You know, you can put it on the beer can chicken that you're doing. You can put it on, you know, chicken breast, you can put it on anything, um, put it in salads people are using it i'll go as far as people are actually putting it on popcorn our spices really yes yes our 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 beer can chicken and our smoking sweet rubs people sprinkle it on their their popcorn interesting so yeah it is and again like i said it's amazing to hear how people are using the products and and i want to hear that so you know it's just really cool stories and I'm just kind of blown away sometimes. So, so yeah, we have the beer can. Um, the, the smoke and sweet is a really good one too. Um, you know, we do some ribs and you know, my girlfriend, Cindy, all she wants is just put the smoke and sweet on a rack of ribs. That's, I want them just like that. And wow. you know, you get the smoke, you get the sweetness. Um, yeah, that, that's really good too. And, and again, you can use it on the chicken, you can use it on the ribs, on brisket. Um, and then we have our third one is our steak chop and burger seasoning. Yes. And it's, it's like a, a Montreal seasoning, but with a bunch of goodness, you see the goodness, you know, um, big pieces of garlic and pepper and salt. And, um, that, that is, uh, that's a, a really good one too. Um, I mean, even, you know, sprinkling and salads. Um, we created a, a, a little dish with um, some olive oil, and we put the, the seasoning in there, and we just basted um, some bagels with it, and it it was great. Wow. So okay. there, there's a lot of uses for our, our rubs as well. Now, I take it that the steak uh, one is more of sort of a basic um, and, and isn't necessarily – as spicy or hot as maybe some of the others are or how does that work no no the, the they're all the rubs and um the spices are are, are mild okay um yeah we th th that's another thing you know we want to start getting into more of the the rubs and the seasonings and you know there's there's some ones that we're talking about and, and getting some spice because you know you have people like you that like mild 
strictly mild. Really? Yes. And then you want that, you know, that customer that, hey, I just want a little, just give me a little spice. And then you got the guys that, like you said, the 911 calls <laughs> to the uh, fire yeah. department yeah. with our hot sauces. So, yeah, we, um, I just want to be able to give a variety to everyone. Well, it's, uh, it's a great way to do it. And I think that's... Um diversity is celebrated in in this particular line of products i think uh because it opens your audience up more uh to more people's specific tastes okay so um ketchups um yes. your base ketchup phenomenal what else uh do you have for ketchups and 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 I I don't think, and again, this shows you how you know what a what a boring foodie I am. Um, I didn't know there was anything but regular ketchup, but e- either you have introduced it or it's out there, and I just never paid attention because I'm not a hot and spicy kind of guy. But you've got habanero ketchup. I can only imagine um, what what that's like compared to your base. Yeah, well. The habanero ketchup is Wiggity Wayne's favorite. That is my all-time favorite. Ah. Um, yeah. So we have the um, original homestyle ketchup, which is just mild. Um, like your, I tell people, it's not Heinz. It's 10 times better than Heinz ketchup. And like you said, I thought that was only the only ketchup. So we kind of played around with things, and I said, I want a spicy ketchup. And we did the habanero. And now we have um, a jalapeno, which is, it's milder. Um, and I think you could handle that one, Tom, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's got great flavor. Um, they're fresh jalapenos that we use. And it just gives it a little finish where you get the, you know, the spice of the uh, jalapeno. And that's a, that's a really good one as well. Um, you know, and to be honest... I can't believe the people that do not like ketchup. And then when they have my ketchup, it's it changes their whole outlook on using ketchup. And you know, it was we did a we did a sponsorship out at Watkins Glen for the NASCAR race in August and had some help and sponsored um one of the race cars in the uh, lower series which was a uh, um inaugural race at Watkins Glen, the historic sports car series. Oh yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I partnered up with uh, Tim Hannon that owns uh, the um, Oakland Valley uh, race Raceway. Yeah. And um, we were on his car, and we did a, a tasting of all the ketchups, and it was a big hit. People were actually, you know, ordering right as they were standing in front of us with our QR code. And um, But, again, getting back to, you know, people not liking ketchup. When they had my ketchup, just their – the reaction they got was like, wow, this is incredible. And, um, yeah, we, we really, we did well there and people, you know, loved it. And, you know, with three different varieties, like I said, you know, you like your mild, somebody might want a medium and, and if you really want to, um, take it up to the next level or habanero. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, it is interesting. And I, you know, I've changed over the years even because when I was younger, 
Um, and I go order a hamburger, it's ketchup and mustard. And now it's like, I never eat mustard anymore. And, uh, ketchup for me is something to sort of dip into more or less rather than, you know, slather. slather. Yeah. Slather. <laughs> I'm not a big, um, I'm not a, a great, I like to taste the food and I feel like when sure. I put, and that's just particular to me, but the point I'm making is I would love to try your um, your uh, your ketchups because I think that you know again it would be interesting to see what else is out there other than just the typical Heinz or Hunts or uh, sure. I don't even know what else is there but I think um, you know I think knowing how how good the sauces are and and the rubs the ketchups that's you just don't see a lot of new. Um, a lot of new sort of innovation i don't feel like in in the condiment line like ketchups anymore and so i feel like this is sort of um interesting water that you're treading here and um and and it sounds like people are digging it they do dig it it's it's really cool to see and you know i'm giving you a variety of you know the ketchups yeah so you you can you know pick your uh your flavor and um see what you think now, um, how does the process work here? Because obviously it's one thing to dream up a flavor. It's another thing to sit down and, and focus group it or sort of put it out there and, and get reaction. It's a, it's a whole other thing to um, sort of have this, the, the secret lab somewhere where you concoct this for the first time and you mess with it and then you get it right and then you you know, you mass manufacture it. How, how does, how does the process work for you um, with, with all of this? Cause this is not an easy sort of business to be in. I wouldn't think. No, I, like I said, I have some really great people I'm working with that, that know the business, know the industry and, you know, manufacturing and, you know, having, having, you know, the palate as well to help me out with, you know, the, the, the seasonings and, and what to add and what to, um, you know, put in a sauce. Yeah. So that's been, that's been really helpful. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I try to surround my, myself with, you know, great people that I can work with and it's, it's taking off and it's working well. Where is, uh, everything is manufactured in the U S obviously. And I think it's right up there in the Northeast, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a few manufacturing um, facilities that we do utilize. So um, that that that's another thing where we can get product out pretty quickly. That's good. That's because uh, that's uh, that was the next thing I was going to ask you about is if if I want to order some product, how do I do it? And then what what is the process like in terms of um, you know shipping time and all of that? Yep, you can go to wiggitywaynesauces uh, dot com. And you can check out our website, and you can order right off the website. And uh, we ship out pretty much uh, same day. You, you order comes in, it goes out the door. And within, you know, we're, we utilize uh, UPS, FedEx, and the Postal Service. Okay. So, you know, uh, standard, depending, you know, you're going out west, it's going to be a few more days than it is, sure. you know, to, to, you know, ship down to Charlotte and your way. But, well. uh, yeah. We, we have it all in place. Well, it's uh, wiggityweightandsauces.com is the place to go. Um, now, you're a racer yourself, so this isn't uh, a dream born of just watching uh, racers or racing parties or, or camp campsites uh, at the racetrack. You've actually been a part of that all, racing 
carts. Um, how has that sort of played into the um, the creation of these products and, and the mindset from which you kind of work from? Well, I'm racing in the uh, CKNA series, the Cup Cart North America series. Yep, cart racing. And, yep, and it's been great. I, you know, I, I just didn't throw everything together and say, this is what I'm going to do. I kind of laid everything out and how I wanted to approach this business. And, you know, I'm a passionate, you know, racer and race fan. And yep. I figured, you know what, if I'm racing, you know, I can promote my business through my racing. And, and that's what I'm doing. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, I, you know, I'm with the uh, Coyote Motorsports team. Yep. Um, and Jim Lapiri out of uh, Spencerport, New York. And, you know, the team I'm with, they're just a great bunch of guys. I mean, it's just a family team and we have a lot of fun. And, you know, even now people are, you know, realizing who I am when I'm walking through the pits and, you know, it's not, Hey Wayne, how you doing? It's a wiggity, yeah, you know? So <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I do get it. And it's, it's great. You know, so people, you know, it's been only five months, Tom, and it's really blown up. And especially at the racetrack, you know, um, I bring, you know, my girlfriend, Cindy is always like, we need to bring more product and thank God we do because, you know, people will come up. I mean, I, you know, I'm sponsoring my go-kart. Sure. And, yeah. you know, that's how it works, right? Well, so, you know, they're either going to the website and ordering or they're coming over to our pit and, you know, they're buying products from us. So it works. So, And people are – and, you know, the other thing is, too, you know, they know I'm there. Well, guess what? They're coming over and they're buying for, for lunch or dinner um, to make something and they want to use my sauces. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, they're using it that day or that weekend at the track. That's yes. which is, you know, that's that's kind of what you were thinking about when you started the whole thing off, I think, um, was more or less the the concept of, you know, this is um I'm a racer. I want to do something that, you know, to elevate the the food experience, you know, uh for racers at your your campsite or or whatever, your your barbecue anywhere really. Um and that's where a lot of this came from. Now, how about um is there a plan to I mean, I know that we're in the digital age where um obviously it's easy to just have your own store more or less online, but uh are there plans to um, to, to distribute this product in retail outlets across the country at some point? Well, I would love to do that. But, you know, being from Buffalo, New York, I am actually in 10 stores now oh, nice. in the Buffalo area. Okay, so you've so, got to start there. Yes. Good. Yes. So, so uh, I'm in um, three of the Ace Hardwares in the western New York area, and um, there's uh, – it's called the Corner Market, which are Sunoco stations, okay. gas stations. And I have my products in four of their um, locations. And there's a, a local meat market, two local meat markets, actually, that I'm in, Valencia's Meats and uh, Camellia's uh, Meats in the Buffalo area. So it's it's been really good. People um, people are supportive, and, you know, um, it's it's been really good, Tom. Well, it sounds like it's been a lot of fun. Now, I know that you um, 
you try to do some appearances and get out and do tastings and things like that, how often do you get to dress up in character and go out as Wiggity Wayne? Because that's, <laughs> um, I feel like that's half the fun for you. It is. It's we have we have a blast with it. I, I do. I. I get out there, um, and he makes his appearances, and, and people just love it. We we had a great time at Watkins Glen with uh, the character, Wiggity Wayne, and it was a riot. And, you know, everybody just gets a kick out of it, and we just have fun with it. And, you know, we're, we're growing because of that. Um, and you know how social media works. So it's um, it's been it's been a blast. So what is um... – what, what if, if you could sort of leave people, leave our audience with something, obviously you're going to say, go to Wiggity Wayne Sauces and, and, and try something. But what, what is a good uh, on-ramp for most people into your line of products? Um, if somebody's going to order something for the first time or, you know, try you out, what would you recommend? I my our number one seller is our apple pie moonshine. I highly recommend grabbing a bottle of the apple pie moonshine. Um, the other one is the habanero ketchup. If you like spicy, the the habanero ketchup is to die for. Um, I you know and and the other thing is too like you said you don't like hot, but people that don't like hot that try it, yeah, it's got the heat, but. They love it and they'll buy it. But then again, you know, on the mild side, our ketchups are incredible. All our products are, are, are great. You know, you can see the goodness in every one of my bottles. You just take that bottle and you twirl it and you will see the goodness that's in it. And when people see that and then when they try it, they realize, wow, this is a great product. And that's what I strive um you know, to be, I, I want to be the best at what I do. And I think we're, we're getting there. You've, you've got to, I mean, you talk about the packaging, but um, you know, and that's packaging again is important. And I feel like you've done a great job with that. How did you arrive kind of at the, uh, the exact choice of, of bottling or packaging that you have? Um, It just, it fell into place. I mean, I, again, I got to the right people they they guided me um you know and it it just worked and having the right people in place to to see your passion to to see your goals um it, it just it just worked tom well it uh it certainly sounds like you're off to a great start i mean you're you're less than half a year old you've got 10 stores already you're you're doing good online people are buying it that's awesome um and you know i would encourage everyone listening to this show go to wiggity wayne sauces it's w-i-g-g-i-d-y wiggity wayne sauces.com and just you know pick something start with something uh, again if you're if you're kind of a zero spice like me you know just get some ketchup and maybe get some of the you know the rub for for steak and barbecue or whatever pick 
just pick something, but, uh, you know, maybe get adventurous. Try some apple pie moonshine or whatever and see what you like. There's something for everybody, and your line is expanding. Um, I know that you've got some ideas that you've shared with me. We will not share them here, but um, (laughs) that uh, I think are just going to be awesome if you can see them through to fruition and uh uh it should be a lot of fun too and i think that's part of it is you're really trying to be a fun brand and um and be a brand that uh people enjoy because it's 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 uh it's wholesome it's entertaining it's good it's and it's tasty more uh more than anything else so congratulations on everything uh to to this point wayne you're off to a great start we're we're cheering for you here, and again, we encourage everybody um, to go check out wiggityweinsauces.com um, and order, uh, again, pick something and just start with it. And uh, we're going to be back with more of the show right after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice-cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it, served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill. LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to the show. It is time for Jody London. It's London time here on Inside Groove. Always enjoy having Jody on. Um, and uh, we get to actually go back now and talk about Classic Weekend again, which is uh, just fine with me. Any excuse I can make to go back and talk about 2023 Classic Weekend, I'm always happy to do that. And um, it's uh, taken a bit of time for us to be able to get Jody on the air, but we're happy to do that uh, now and just talk about his events because, um, you know, I consider anything that races Oswego fair game for the inside groove. And um, we're going to uh, be doing more with some of these other divisions going forward, I hope. So um, Micah Adams Maybe, and I'm going to have to check this because I got a big surprise when I, uh, Jody sent me the results today and, um, I got a big surprise. I had no idea that first and second had been DQ'd out of the four cylinder event, the compact event. Um, and, um, Micah Adams, 14 years old, first ever Oswego start wins on classic weekend. That's huge, Jody. Yeah, yeah, he he was he was all he was all uh, excited about it. But he was, yeah. I mean, and you know, this was honestly, I I've said it uh, 
before on the, on the show, I, I think Friday night was the most, the two most exciting races, entertaining races of classic weekend this year. And, uh, not say that the, the sportsman race wasn't just saying those two on Friday night were doozies. And I thought the force the, the I keep calling them for it. They are, but compact cars were, um, were, were, uh, the most exciting just because when you get guys running side by side through traffic, um, and, and I'm standing there on the front stretch watching these, these guys just go back and forth. And it was fierce, um, you know, between, uh, Cassioli and Bolger and, um, you know, and of course, uh, for, a number of different reasons. The two of them ended up getting disqualified, which I didn't realize. Micah Adams ends up finishing third at 14 years old, and then um, and then winds up with the big trophy at the end. Um, that was just crazy stuff. That race. Yeah, I had to watch the replay to uh, you know you know take the whole take the whole race in, yeah. and you realize that you know it was the forty two and double zero just just it was a dog fight from I didn't and I had and I had no clue that they actually started on on pole with each other because I was so busy you know running around in the infield and you know they chased each other all over the track and and not and, you know and. About three cars behind him was just Micah just sitting there, and then it just picked up even harder with five to go because then you know Micah went from three back to only one yeah. behind them, and then you know Ball Ball during the double zero you know messed up a little bit on one of the corners or something like that, and he you know Micah got by him, and then Bulger ran around the outside, got by him, and you know tracked Cassioli down and just. He just ran out of time. It, you know, I mean, it was. I mean, it was a. It was an impressive race, especially with the lap traffic and how you know how great they all ran. You know, f- for being lap traffic, there was no erratic movement, and it was just no. everyone was just just going at it. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch, and um, I'm a big fan of divisions like the compacts because those guys are not racing for big bucks. Those guys are racing for pride. You could put a, a, a $10 plastic trophy in a beer on, on up as your, your winner's prize. And they would race just as hard. Um, you know, and, and so it's fun to watch, uh, these divisions. They, uh, I worked at Greenville Pickens for a season down here in, in, in South Carolina. And, uh, the four cylinder division or front wheel drive division uh, there all year long, two and three wide every week. Those guys were just putting on shows and, you know, you've got one team that brings like five different cars and, you know, it was, the, it was just crazy. Uh, so I've always been a fan and even on the dirt, like at Brewerton up there, uh, the four cylinders just were always uh, fun to watch. So I'm honestly, I was excited Uh you know, when, when these were added to the schedule of the Swigo and, um, you know, this was an exceptional race, I thought, and, uh, it was great to see Micah win it. And, and, and certainly a moment I'm sure, I mean, you always want to be the first one under the flag. Um, you know, it's not easy to, or it's not maybe quite the same to win it, you know, as the result of post-race issues, but, um, nonetheless, you come to a Swigo Speedway, and you've been coming there as a fan and watching and, and, you know, and you get your chance to go drive. And I think if I remember right, didn't he also win his heat? Yeah, but I believe he won. I believe he won his heat as well. Yeah. 
I mean, and I think I think he's the only four cylinder two to have stock mirrors on the car. He had the factory mirrors on still on the side of the car. I, that's I funny. did not I did not know that until they pointed that out after the race. And he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm like oh the stock mirrors on." I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" And I look over. I'm like, "Oh jeez, <laughs> that's great." Well, so Mike ends up with a clean sweep, uh, you know, of the night, which I think is uh, is is really cool. Um, and something he'll obviously never forget. I'm going to run down the uh, finish here, and then you can add any uh, uh, punctuation marks that you'd like. Uh, David Milbrand finished in second with the 12 car. The 40, Corey Copeland was third. The 28 of Tony Petnelli finished fourth. Corey Edelman in the 99 rounded out the top five. In sixth was the 81 of B.J. Wembold. Seventh, the 20 of Nick Galusha. Eighth, the 68, Kenzie Adams. Ninth, the 51, Greg Mould. Tenth, the 32 of Bob Palmer. Eleventh was the 113 of Nathan Powers. Twelfth was the A1 of Justin Patterson. Thirteenth was the 2T of Trisha Connolly. Fourteenth, the 76 of Eric Black. Fifteenth, the 96T of Tim Dunn. Sixteenth, was the 17th of Chuck Palchek, and I think Chuck is a Brewerton racer, or at least he was for many years. Brewerton and Evans Mills. Evans Mills, there you go. Um, so he runs both surfaces. Um, yes. Seven, uh, let's see, 17th was the 30 of Larry Spencer. 18th, the 42 Mallory Cuts. 19th, the 17 of Mike Ferris. 20th was the 88 of Justin Guile. 21st was the 16 of Chris Benofsky. 22nd, the 81, Michael Wembold. Uh, 23rd, the 12 of Tim Dunkelman. 24th, the 75, Jared Fry. 25th, the 87, Evan Reardon. 26th, the 18, Jacob Bohm. 27th, the 98 of Tony Hilliard. And rounding out the field was the 6 of Michael Klotz finishing in 28th. And um, again, I, I just thought that was a thoroughly enjoyable race. And I know that there were things that went on afterward um that that necessarily weren't so enjoyable but um nonetheless uh i think that was an amazing event and i would look forward to seeing that again next year i i I have to say throughout the throughout the race though there's one one driver in particular has gone to oswego three races in a row and has lost a car three races in a row and that's a that's a and that would be a tony uh oh god tony leard Oh wow! Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Each race, he's lost a car. Yeah, he, oh, ha- he has. He has wrecked. It. And this one, I, I saw the wreck, and I, I out right after the race, I walked over, and I, and I said, please. <laughs> I asked him, and I said, please don't come back. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, I, ca- I care oh, about man. your safety. Mo- yeah, I did. I said, I, I'm like, dude, I care about your That's safety more. Stop bringing car. Stop bringing cars. <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, we're probably done. And then by the end of the race, he walked over and goes, next year, we're coming for it. <laughs> I'm like, I thought, I'm like, you just killed your car. He goes, doesn't matter. It's Oswego. It's Daytona. We're going to be here. I'm See? Like, that's, that's the way to do it. Don't, don't discourage him. Come on, man. Get another car and prove you can finish this race. Um, just run around in the back for a year, break the cycle, and then go oh, in. That's crazy. He's had hard, he's had hard hits, and that, that I just I couldn't I couldn't bear to watch it anymore. Yeah, it's it's nuts. So we had, uh, of course, then uh, the next race was uh, the Dave London Memorial. Now, um, we we always have new audience here. Uh, so can you take 
just, you know, give us kind of the bullet points. This race obviously named after your dad. So can you kind of just give us a minute or two about the background of this Dave London Memorial Superstock event? So in the early, uh, not early 90s, <laughs> back in the late 60s, uh, dad became, you know, started racing street stocks, super stocks at Fulton Speedway, and he just started racing all over throughout New York. He got really good. He, uh, you know, he just loved the class that said it was the most economical one to do and yeah. just stayed in that class. Never went anywhere else, never went up, went down. When the class cycled up to in the next division, he stayed with the class but he would never go to like a late model, a late model style car. He never, okay. he never went, he never went, went that far. He goes, no, right. I, you know, it's just getting too expensive for me. He's a single father, two kids at home. You know, that's, that was the deals. So he, uh, you know, he, he got, gained a lot of respect from a lot of people. He was, you know, one of the presidents for Nira for the super, for the street stocks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, he, you know, he was hooked in with Nira, you know, and then, you know, in the eighties, when he started scaling way back, he uh, started getting to the banquets Okay. for Spencer Speedway. They caught the eye of the NASCAR modified tour and the first uh, two uh, NASCAR modified tour banquets was held in uh, Rochester, New York for historical people. Nice. And uh, dad was dad and mom were uh, one of them. And uh, you know, dad got back into racing in the '90s because I wanted to see him race. So he ran a few more years, and you know, picked up some more wins. He finally picked up his first championship at uh, Wyoming County International Speedway Sweet. in uh, 90, 98 and ninety nine was a he called it a career because some some son of his wanted to wanted to go play race car driver, so he uh, <laughs> re- retired quietly in in twenty nineteen. But he always stayed behind the scenes. He during his downtimes from from stock car driving he was very instrumental in, in the behind the scenes stuff helped organizing banquets he helped a lot with the promotional team at Spencer Speedway back in the 80s when it was really rocking and rolling and you know he, he's done a lot he, he worked for Gator for so many years that's and right he, he yeah. was just he was a part of a I lot of it, that. he was a part of a lot of inner workings and you know so he always helped he always helped the boys as that's he great. would say so you know, and that's and that's how we like to keep his legacy on making sure the boy, making sure the boys get paid well. And okay, that's, that's how it is. So what this was DLM number what five number number fifteen? Oh, 15. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because there was this whole history of it. See, I keep forgetting that before yeah, it ever the came count, to a yeah. Swigo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and of course, uh, this one, again, another great race. Garrett Zacharias uh, ended up getting the win. But uh, Jacob Gustafson, or Gusty, as everybody calls him, um, you know, chased him right to the end and, and really made Garrett work for it garrett finally passed him i think it was on a restart but um or just after a restart but boy um jacob made garrett work awfully hard and those two again just battled it out right to the end of the race and um gosh man so much talent in that zacharias kid uh unbelievable to watch him drive and 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 uh he's one that i would love to see um you know race something else besides just the super stock because i think garrett you know i'd like to see him get into a super for example or get into a you know some other type of car whether it's 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 a, a you know late model or whatever but i garrett is just again a whole family of zacharias's that could go out and win races garrett's certainly right in there 
Oh yeah, de- definitely. Garrett Garrett uh, has been pretty unstoppable at at Oswego these past two years, especially especially now having the car that's been undefeated in the DLM since yep. 2018. So this, you know, he's got he's got the car. You know, he's definitely has the talent. He has a great great setup guy with Tommy Cornell. You know, it's just a whole. You know, when everything comes together, it is just pure. It's like walking. It's like watching what happened with um, Jimmy Johnson and and uh, Chad Knaus. Yeah. Chad was great. You know, Jimmy was good behind the wheel. Chad was great as a as a as a setup guy. Crew chief. And, yeah. yeah, crew chief, and uh, you know, he had like an amazing car owner with Hendrick, and everything just rolled into one, and it just, and that's what breeds dominance. Yeah. For sure, but that, but that doesn't take, but that doesn't weigh, but that does not take away from the fact that David nearly slayed Goliath in this race. Yeah, and yeah, no after, question. After, after watching that, you you watched Goliath run for his life. Yeah, for tw- for twenty oh, three sure. laps, and it, and it was just well, watching it back. You, it was a really amazing race because it was you know a bigger known car versus a really big underdog underdog car, and it it, it was just great. And then the battles you had through all throughout the whole. God, throughout the whole pack was just amazing, amazing to watch because there there is always a joke that there's no passing much at Oswego, and I defy anyone. Oh, to that's tell me. I I defy in this anyone. class. I defy anyone to tell me tell me that that was not like you know show show stealing material on on Friday. That was the oh, most it was. Pat- yeah, I guess I mean, it. it was it was just amazing. Two most exciting races of the weekend, I thought in in terms of actual racing, I, I easily and um, yeah, I, I mean, mean we we had guys that broke walls. I mean, yeah. you can't get much better than that. Yeah. That, there were some crazy wrecks in that one. Um, for sure. I mean, you know, Gustafson got the early lead and, uh, Zacharias ended up moving his way to second. And, um, but the, you know, yeah, the, for sure the, the, the deal on lap 24, um, I mean, you had, geez, I don't even remember 10 or 11 cars. I, I feel like were involved in that one. And, um, you know, but there were just, like you said, um, wall bangers, um, you know, throughout, but I mean, that's look, this is their Daytona and that's, you know, um, the, the fans that are super modified fans and look, I get it. You know, nobody has to necessarily enjoy everything or whatever. I, I'm not, but fortunately for me, I've become a racing fan. Like I appreciate all kinds of racing and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to still sort of figure out the whole F1 mindset. Cause it isn't really about drivers. It's about teams and it's about, you know, constructors cup and, and all of that. Like it's a different, but, um, you know, I was not a fan of super stocks as a weekly classic of Swiggle because I just didn't think that they fit into that sort of mold. But as a specials only kind of class, I think it's awesome to have um, the super stocks, the, the you know, the sportsmen and the, the compacts and um, your race, the Dave London Memorial race, I feel like is a legit part of classic weekend and it it's it's a race that deserves the stage that it gets and these guys this year showed why they belong there at the Oswego Speedway and I it's a great Friday night program and to see Gustafson and, and guys like Kryan and, and Rogalski um that that ran so well in that one um 
to, you know, to finish up front. And then some of the guys, obviously, like you said, good gosh, um, man, the violence of some of those wrecks was a little scary, to be honest. But um, yeah. everybody everybody made it okay, I guess, right? Yes. Like, more, more cars just had, you know, just more cos- really hard cosmetic damage that yeah. would keep them out than anything else. Yeah. I mean, not many, you know, some guys had, you know, a lot of guys, you know, had some bent stuff on the chassis, but not enough towards keep them away from racing for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and no, it was it was a great race. I mean, I, I thought DJ Shaw would finish better than he did, but um, he sort of faded pretty quickly. and, and... Uh, He broke a drive shaft on oh, that point. Okay, okay, that's what yeah, happened. That, that, okay. that was, that, that was, that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. My, my ultimate, my ultimate fear came true during, during the night was when you had, so they brought, uh, Shaw wanted to be a funny guy this year and had a uh, OnlyFans as a sponsor on the race. Oh, track. that's right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and he had that, and he said, he, so they registered, and they they, they just kept pestering me. You know, you're gonna poke, you're gonna say we're registered. I'm like, absolutely not. I am not going down this rabbit hole. And, and then, and then all of a sudden, I look up for the heat race, and on the pole, it's the OnlyFans car, and on the outside of it is the shagging wagon with the carpet car. And I'm yeah. like, no, I just, I just, I just crumble, I just crumble. I'm like, awful. This is just awful. And then I heard, you hear the replay from the announcers. We are not going to have a discussion right now. We're just going to jump right to row number two. Well, but again, it's it's that's that's part of the. That's I mean that's the group. Use, that's 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 the magic you bring to this event. But it was just it's <laughs> called entertainment. Okay, that, it's character. That was, that's we used to have, <laughs> and they don't, and we don't see this as much in racing anymore. Nicknames for drivers, nicknames for cars. My gosh, the super modifieds, the nicknames that I could sit and go through, but I don't want to interrupt your segment to do it. But the legendary. I mean, it's just. You know, yeah. um, so no, I think it's great. Um, so Garrett Zacharias <laughs> ended up getting the win. Jacob Gustafson finished in second. Andy Cryan was third. Uh, let's see how many of these names I can butcher here. Even uh, Evan Rogalski was fourth. Billy both. Is it both or both? Both. Both was fifth. <laughs> both, right? We had both an argument was, on this one. <laughs> yeah, both was fifth. Jake Wiley sixth. Lee Sharpstein seventh. Johnny Bennett eighth. Jacob Crispin ninth. Robert Fink finished. Now we got to hold on. Now Fink right there. I'm going to give think his flowers right now allegedly this was his last race oh wow Alleg- allegedly allegedly last year last year he said it was the last race but he didn't qualify now this year he qualified and, and finished got, and he fin- and he finished a solid top 10 that was good so uh so finished so, so he said he could, he's retired so thank, thank you for all the years fam. yes absolutely brad bush he finished 11th brian granger was 12th tj cochran 13th nate peckham Finished in 14th. Jason Duke, 15th. Mike Odwanzi finished 16th. Jason Dinsler, 17th. Eric Coker, 18th. Brian DeMarc, 19th. Bill Frisbee rounding out the top 20. Tim Gulo, 21st. Brian Hallett, 22nd. Mike Hyman, 23rd. Barrett Shank, 24th. Chris Riendo, 25th. Griffin Miller finished 26th. Um, was hoping he would do better. Tommy Reese, 27th. Jimmy Steffenhagen, former winner of the event, finished 28th. DJ Shaw back in 29th with that broken drive shaft. Colton Ingrick 30th. And the um, I'm not going to read those who failed to qualify because I don't no. want to do that to them. Qualifying heats went to Riendo, Zacharias Cryan, Sharpstein, and Chrisman. And uh, again, for those um, wondering why why did you... Well, because these classes are part of Classic Weekend. They deserve to have their names read so that then it's out there for all eternity. And that's why we do this stuff. So... Um, 
good stuff there. That was uh, definitely a, oh, and I, I should mention also Charlie Sharpstein won the uh, Shirley Zachariah sure. shootout seven hundred seventeen bucks for him seven seventeen, and that is uh, obviously because that's a Zacharias number kind of thing. Yes, he, and and he chose to take the money and yes. start the feature. It, the funniest thing happened. I walk out. I walk out of the side pit wall. I'm walking down the front straightaway, and he's already halfway out of the car yelling at me, I'm taking the money. I'm taking the money. I'm, t- I'm like, buddy, calm down. I got to go ask first place. I get the first place. His crew, first place crew's yelling at him, take the money, take the money, take the money. I lean on the guys. I got to ask him. I lean my head in. I'm like, you want to go? You want to run the feature or you want to take the money? He looks at me dead in the face. We're going for the feature. I'm like, all right. And the crew... <laughs> The crew just like the biggest eye roll they could have all done in one shot. Like, that's funny. That's (laughs) funny. Congrats to Charlie. Absolutely. So then we get to Saturday. And of course, you're part of the uh, modified doubleheader, modified mania on Saturday. Um, You've got the XMR Sportsman. That was a race that it feels like it was just, well, it was. It was years (laughs) of the making because it got raining and COVID and. And COVID, tire, tires, uh, tires, you know, tire issue, and tire issues um, for two years, and that was, you know, uh, we finally had, we finally got it done. I, and I won't lie, even when I saw the amount of tire, like the amount of tire surplus that we had Wednesday night, you know, I got to the track Wednesday night. I went in, into the tire container immediately, and I looked, and you know, we had all the tires there. And I still didn't believe it. <laughs> I didn't, I, you know, you, you've been, you know, you've been knocked down so many times. You just, you don't believe that it's actually going to happen until like, oh, we got there Saturday morning, and you know, it was happening. Yeah. Um. This and and again, this was uh, now it did rain a little bit on Saturday, so um, you know, kind of had a bit of a delay there, but um, the you you got it in, and I thought it was a great race. T.J. Potrzebowski had the early lead. T.J. was a uh, super modified racer for a few years in the Ernie and Bob June 59 car, um, but more known for um, being uh, in these other divisions. And, and uh, good to see TJ have a good run uh, for a while. And former um, race of champions modified winner. That's right. At exactly. Speedway. Yeah. Um, but I was really actually very surprised uh, that at the end of what I thought was an exceptionally good race, um, with some really big name drivers in terms of this type of racing. I mean, you, you, you had Tony Hambury there. You had um, Rogalski there. Tom McLeod was racing. Daryl Lewis Jr. You had Lee Sharpstein. Um, I mean, Trevor, of course, Trevor Catalano, we're going to talk about here. Uh, and Andy Jankowiak, uh, always good to see Andy racing. Jimmy Zacharias. I mean, um, this was a great field. Charlie uh, Sharpstein, um, and and to see Trevor Catalano get the win, that to me was extremely impressive. And again, another family that has, I mean, you talk about a family that has supported racing in general in New York State forever. The Catalanos, my goodness, that's just like three generations or so there too, I think. Oh yeah, that that that's a that's a big old family tree of racing yep. uh, racing drivers. And it was just all you know. It was awesome to see. It's Trevor's very obviously very first time ever racing the track. He goes out and you know he wins the race, and I believe he's the first in the family to have uh, you know on, on the Dave Catalano side, on that side of the family to have won uh, at least within the brothers to have yeah. uh, won at Oswego. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um... I know Buck Catalano, his uncle, won 
two race of champions. Oh, okay. Back, back okay. In, you know, at, at Oswego, but I don't recall any other of them winning, winning okay. there. Okay. So yeah. So that was uh to me, that was a huge win for that young man. Uh, and Andy Jankowiak finished uh, in second. I'm just going to go ahead through the finish and we'll talk about yeah. it. TJ Potrabowski was third. Uh, Jimmy Zacharias fourth. Mike Ramos fifth. Daryl Lewis Jr. finished in sixth. John Wilver seventh. Jaden Brown eighth. Tom McLeod ninth. Nick Morich tenth. John Barber eleventh. Paul Fly finished in twelfth. Charlie Sharpstein was 13th, Evan Rogelski 14th, Ed Dockenhausen 15th. Glad I got through that one. Andy Lewis Jr. 16th, <laughs> Sean Nye 17th, Jake Lutz 18th, Chris Ridsdale 19th, Scott Wiley 20th, Bill Mislin 21st, Tony Hanbury was 22nd, Chris Finachario 23rd, Timmy Lewis 24th, Eddie Hawkins finished up in 25th, and Andy Lewis finished in 26, Sharpstein and Ruggiero did not start. The qualifying heat winners were Jimmy Zacharias, Jake Lutz, Trevor Catalano, and Tony Hanbury. Um, and I I really, um, I, I want to mention Hanbury because I've known Tony for uh, quite a while. He, when when I was uh, at Shemung managing that track in uh, 2002, um, Hanbury was one of several young racers that were just starting to come into their own um, running there. And uh, Tony was great then. And of course, all these years later, still um, one of the best. And uh, he was doing a good job until I don't know what happened, but boy, he, he clobbered the wall in that race. And I was really, again, it was like, Oh God, I hope he's okay. Yeah, you really had to slow down the video to see what happened, and and from the video it looked like something broke. He, he, you know, it looked like he got it, the car broke loose because okay. something could have broke. But I really had to slow it down, and I'm and I'm still not a hundred percent sure. But what I'm gathering is the you know you just saw the the wheels just turn ever so slightly. Okay, which which for me means the the back end broke. Gotcha. On them. Okay. So he was trying to save it and it just, you know, it was too late by then. Yeah, it was, uh, that was crazy. So, um, you know, but he was, like I said, he was having a good run. Um, and, uh, it was, it was cool to see the turnout there, uh, for that particular event. And finally that you were able to get it in. And, uh, I see that, um, all of your events, or at least, uh, I, I know we have the two of them that are uh, listed on the schedule. I'm assuming the compacts are returning. So there would be all three of your events, um, on Friday and Saturday again in 2024. And I'm, you know, I'm really happy to see the sportsmen get that slot on Saturday with the, uh, with the NASCAR wheeling tour, because it's just a natural position for them to be in. And I think it makes a nice show, um, all modifieds on Saturday. I re- yeah. And I really, I really thought the, the race was overly, you know, like, like I, we said earlier with the super, super stocks and compacts about the passing and stuff like that. The big fear from a lot of people that I heard, especially from the competitors about, especially with the, this 1070 tire, that there was going to be very little, no passing, you know, for the race, that it wasn't going to be a good product. And I, and wrong. I was, you know, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were wrong. Yeah, we were all wrong Oops. again on that one. I mean, I, I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the rate, the whole race itself on Saturday. Those guys went, you know, you know, toe to toe with each other and they were, they were going, they were racing hard and it yeah. was, you know, it was a lot, a lot of passing, a lot of good passing. 
and a lot of hard passing. No, I mean, no, I I couldn't. You know, I was very very happy with the overall product of it. Yeah, I mean, I I just see all three of those shows, uh, you know, continuing to uh, get better. And I mean, you just work your tail off to get these sponsors involved and and really um, make the best that you can for the competitors and. You know, it's tough. Classic Weekend is a big stage. And, of course, you know, it's been open wheel, super modifieds, and, yeah, the modified 200. And I think, I think you know, people grew to appreciate that. Not sure everybody really necessarily gets as excited about the NASCAR wheeling deal as they used to about the, um, you know, open race or whatever you want to call that uh, when the modified 200 before it was sanctioned. But, um you know, but I, I for for you to be able to come in with these three classes and um, have the turnout of cars for each one that you have and to have everything, you know, go the way it did and the uh, the amount of passing and energy and excitement for all three of those races be what it was is huge. So congratulations, Jody. And I'm really, really um I'm happy for you. I'm happy for everybody in your on your team, the competitors. Um, they were great shows, and and I'm I I can't wait for next year. Uh, I just I don't want to wish it too quick because it 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 it's, it seems like it's opening day and then classics over. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I I do got to thank my uh, the title sponsors that have been with me through everything. I, I got they say actually today I I this actually what, what is it breaking news if you want to say oh good we like breaking news on yeah show. we like breaking news. Uh, today just just signed the contract uh mid-state basement authority is back for their fifth year fifth year now with the dave london memorial nice. so it, it's it's great so it, it's funny ever since we've got been to got to oswego they've been they've been with us and they they absolutely love you know everything that's going on and uh you know five years of the dave london memorial at oswego and five years of me of dealing with me at oswego where are they and i, <laughs> and I got it i also got to thank you should get a pin where yeah I where, where are they based out of they are based out of uh the southern tier in new york okay uh, i'm i'm off this is bad bad pr because i can't give you the exact uh area but they're located in the southern tier they do a lot of work up in uh rochester new york and oh, wow. they do okay. and they you know they go out to albany they go oh. out. The, they're in the uh, Watkins Glen region. So they're statewide. Yeah. So they they go pretty far. They, okay. And they've I you know f- Mr. Bill Frisbee who decided to try to knock the wall down. He was actually just up in Oswego these past few months doing some jobs at, oh, nice. up in Oswego. So, okay. So yeah, and uh, I also got to thank uh, uh, Rusty Diamond Cores and Justifanic. Uh, he's a uh, He's a really hardcore, dedicated guy to the racing community, especially the compacts. And he, you know, he's been, you know, a very uh, great guy to work with. That's and I great. can't say I can't say enough about him. You know, maybe one one of these days he'll come come to that race and actually watch his product in person. But you know, I'll, hopefully he'll be there. Yeah. And well, uh, and Douglas Cole Rayom, aka DCR, and uh, I gotta I gotta thank him. He's been he he was with me this whole time through the through the roller coaster for the sportsman race and uh you know we, we finally got it in and you know bigger and better next year absolutely yeah and i mean you know sponsors are the lifeblood of anything nowadays when it comes to sports and entertainment and and you've had you just got you've got a bunch and so um i'm, I'm very lucky yes. i'm a very lucky person well to you know for people to believe in in the event well and, and but you for, justify and with, it 
and and what they get out of it. That's that's the thing. That's what I you know, and I I appreciate them very much. Well, um, we appreciate you, and uh, I know I'm looking forward to um, to 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 future years and seeing how these events grow. I think they're all great classes, and um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's awesome to to be able to have them be a part of Classic Weekend. It provides a nice bit of variety, um, and and really gives the fans something different to to go go see and enjoy and it gives a lot of drivers um you know an opportunity to be able to go race on a track that you know really is uh, you know it is their daytona it's a big track for these guys they don't run many tracks this size especially the compact so you know um that's a huge deal for someone like mike at 14 years old to be able to to go out and drive the way he did and, and get the and end up getting that win no matter you know what you know, he at third place would have been a win for him. So um, he did everything he had to do the right way and ended up uh, getting a win out of it. And it'll be interesting to see if he can come back next year and, and, and repeat because, and do it, you know, first under the flag. Cause I certainly think he has the speed and with a year of experience, that'll be really interesting to watch, but that kid uh, definitely has some talent. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. So, um, as always, Jody, we appreciate you and uh, look forward to talking more with you here as we um, get closer to the season. And anytime you've got news or whatever, um, we would love to uh, to talk with you. So, um, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. That is Jody London. Take a break. Back with more of the Groove right after this. It's time for what's in a number and boy, we've only got two of these left and then we'll have completed every number uh, that, that could be done here. We've got 34 today and then um, on the next show, we'll do 35 to conclude it. And in a way, I can't think of two better numbers to round it out with um, because again, you can go back in time and uh, again, if this is your first Inside Groove show, I started going to the races early in the 1973 season. So anything before that that I talk about in these What's in the Number segments is either things I remember from older programs or hearing it somewhere or um, whatever. So um, I start in 1973. In the first 34 that I remember... As all of you who are near to me in age and experience, right, is Mike Rizzo. Now, we had Mike on a previous Inside Groove show, and so um, we we did get the chance to talk to Mike and let Mike tell his story. But, um, you know, I remember Mike and, and, and the, the car that I remember him starting in was... Um, was an older car from, I think, the earlier 70s that he bought and ran it for a couple of years until he bought the Salve Automotive 04 that um, Warren Conium had driven in 72 and 73. Um, and uh, maybe was 74 as well. I can't remember when they built the new car. But anyways, Rizzo bought the, the one of the Salve 04s. It wasn't a woodshed car. It was the one right after it. And 
that definitely took his his driving up a notch. Mike was when I think about Mike Rizzo, first of all, um I he had the the school bus for a trailer, remember? But before he even had that, some of you might remember that there was a time when he was campaigning both of those cars. And he had I don't even know what it was, but it was some giant uh gosh, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it was a it was not a two-car race hauler. It was a a a, a a some sort of construction or industrial big giant thing that was able to accommodate both cars. And at one point, uh, Mike and Lou Miller, I think was the other guy's name, that was driving the older of the two cars. And I think Lou was, what, 41? Was that his number? And Mike was 34 with the Salvador 04, former 04. And um, I think that lasted for maybe, what, half a season or so. And then I think uh, it went back to just Mike racing. And Mike had the other car, uh, which... I don't know if this ever happened, but he was supposed to run it on dirt a couple of times with the URC Sprint Group at one point, I think. And um, so, you know, Mike had that. I don't know whatever happened to it, if he sold it or cut it up or what, but um, it was, uh, the you know, the first car was kind of a boxy sort of car, and then this the, the Salve car was, like I said, that took his career up a notch and he started to race better and had that for a little bit, several years. And then somewhere in the late 70s, maybe it might have even been 80. I'm not sure. Um, I think it might have been 1980. Mike or late 79. Mike bought a show car. And... Boy, did he ever, uh, who could forget if you were there, there was a race in 1980, I believe it was, which was the year that Mike really turned it on with that car. There was a race in 1980 where he, he was, um, it was he and Warren Conium and Maybe it was Bobby Stelter in the 04. I can't remember, but there were three cars. Mike was, boy, he was fast that night. And he was running second for the longest time. And he, man, he almost had it at the end. And I think he ended up third. Oh my gosh. Who would not have stood up and went just, bananas if Mike Rizzo would have passed Warren Conium and won the feature who would not have absolutely went off the rails for that we all love underdogs right we all love it and that's one of my favorite things about the sport is when somebody like a Mike Rizzo steps up and just has that that night and wins or or does something extraordinary and to me that was Mike's that was the pinnacle right there for Mike that night it showed that he could do it but boy he spent how many years you know 
six, seven, eight years. And uh, I know that there was, he told me about a time he jumped into the uh, 37 car for one of the invitational races. They used to have the, I think it was the top, uh, what, 16 or 18 point men. They, they had the 25 lap invitational for them. Uh, and um, I don't know how it happened that Mike, I think he was in the race and I don't know if his car was having an issue. Mike told the story. You can go back and listen to it um, on his episode, but um, the 30, he ended up driving the 37 car. And I think the deal was that, that um, I think that the owner told him he could get in the car, but he didn't want him to pass anybody. Start in the back, no passing by. Well, Mike goes out and, and, you know, he took a liking to the car and started, he passed a couple cars and I think he pulled it in. But, um, you know, Mike was, again, it, it just more, one of these, when you put him in a good car, it, there were so many of those drivers in the 70s that I think back about. And you just wonder what might have been you know, and a lot of it seemed to be motor. A lot of them just couldn't afford a good enough motor to compete. You know, they had good handling cars, but they didn't have the horsepower. And I think Mike may have fallen into that category. I'm not sure, but um, he just was, he was a great driver. Um, I think he drove some for Steve Miller. Um, but he just was, he was a great driver. I, I was, and he was such a nice guy. Um, he went, he had the, um, I don't remember what year, 81, 82, somewhere in there, 82, maybe it was, he had the, he had hit the wall in turn one. And then James Brown just came in and pile drove him. And, um, Mike, it, the car caught fire. Mike, um, Mike, he didn't get burned badly, but <laughs> He got burned in a, in a little bit of a, in the angry sense of the term burned, he was pretty burned. Um, you know, he wasn't too happy with Jimmy Brown, but, um, and that was really, uh, that was really the end of his career. Um, he, uh, he came back and I was, I, I've been trying to think I need to go back and listen to that show again. Um, Cause we probably talked about it, but he came back in a, it was the old, it was a show car. It was the old Gus Alexson, then Lou Bannister, then Mike Brubaker show car. He came back in that car, but he just wasn't Mike. You know, there's that point where you just, you know, you, you just don't have it anymore. And Mike, I think, understood that he didn't and he got out of it. Mike Reuter, who Mike Rizzo had helped quite a bit, Mike Reuter got in it. And, um, yeah. And, and then that, that was it for Mike as a, as a driver. There was also a moment in time when he had a big, he had a giant modified car. It was an old coupe that was, geez, I don't even know what year it would have been, but it was a big car. <laughs> and, um, I remember him bringing it out for maybe a port city race or something. And he, uh, he had a wreck with it and you know, it, um, it was pretty bad. And that was it. He, he was done with that. I don't think he drove it again after that, but, um, 
you know, Mike had an interesting career. He really did. And like I said, he was a great guy. Just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's guys, I always say, it's guys like Mike Rizzo that put the color in super modified racing. And that's not an insult. It's to say that without drivers who, you know, without the, the middle of the pack and the back of the pack, you don't have much front. And that's really, um, you know, Mike was one of those guys that spent an entire career trying to just get to the front of the pack. So that's, uh, Mike is the first one I remember. Then of course you got to throw in Mike Ruder cause he ran 34 for a bit, uh, in that car. And then next thing I knew it was, there was a new one, new car and it was six. And then I think, uh, I think he got out, Terry Johnson got in and then Dave McKnight, I think is how that went. Or maybe it was McKnight and Johnson. I can't remember, but I think all of them were in that. And I think that was, I think it was all Ellen Janet Bush think um that owned it so uh the next 34 that i remember is a guy named troy halsey and troy i think was from mexico or somewhere out there uh new york not the country uh mexico new york's just outside of oswego for for those who don't know um and is probably most uh, well-known in the racing circles for churning out a bunch of guys named Graves, right? Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Troy, I think that car was the the first Gary Morton car, which would have been the final car that Johnny Spencer drove, the 23 car that he that joe haluka had that was a um if again if you'll remember that was a rebuilt joe haluka 06 from the early 70s they rebuilt it offset it and johnny brought it out it was a blue 23 johnny drove it and um i think tim nelson drove it a time or two as his that might have been his debut was in that car i think maybe and then Troy Halsey ended up with, or Gary Morton bought it and ran it for a year or two. And then Troy Halsey got it. And I think that was what car that was. And Troy had it. It was a number 34. I want to say it was like a grayish color. And um, Terry Bartlett also got some time in it, if I remember right. But Troy was the main driver, I think. And he was a younger driver, I believe, maybe early 20s or something. He was, um, and, and, and again, it wasn't a long career for him, but um, ran it for a while. And again, I don't know what happened to that car. But uh, I think Troy and Terry both saw time in it. And then I think now I... I get these two confused sometimes as far as the numbers they drove, but I think after Troy slash Terry, after that car, I believe there was a driver and I'm, I'm going to say, cause I always confuse Dave Halstead with, with barber boy, Doug Kells. I, I, I think Doug was 39 and Dave was 34. If I remember correctly, I think I've got that right. Um, and I think 
after Dave, I'm trying to remember if we even had another, we've had another 34. And that's not a number that's been used a whole bunch. Mike Rizzo had it the longest. He had it for, for you know, what, a decade or so. Um, maybe more. And I think, I'm pretty sure it was Halstead, and I'm trying to remember a more recent 34 here. Um, it's always the more recent ones that get me. Um, and I don't know that there's been one and I, and I can't even really, um, now, you know, if you want to just sort of, uh, if you want to just sort of duck into the modified division, cause they run a Swigo two, obviously it ran several times a year back in the seventies, Dave Nichols, remember, um, there was, uh, there was a point where Dave Nichols had a naked girl painted on his car <laughs> and i think when he came to a swingle they made him cover it up i think that i'm gonna call that story a legend of uh, a yarn if you will but i think it's true um dave was from macedon and and when i worked at shemung in 2002 dave was our race director nice guy uh he's had he was a great driver had um uh, had kids uh, uh, has a couple of kids that, that that were really good modified drivers. Um, I think Dave ended up down here someplace, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe in Florida somewhere. But I do think he relocated. And um, but he, his cars are always beautiful. He was he was a nice guy, really good racer too. Um, but super modified wise, I think Halstead and gosh, that would have been a while ago. I am trying hard to remember a, a, a recent 34 and I'm just not, it's not coming to me. There may be somebody in New England or Ohio, but I'm just not registering anything in Oswego and watch again. There's somebody running it now and it's going to be like, uh, but that's why we do it. Right. But there is for me is the name I associate with that number. And I, um, it, it's been so much fun over the years and we're going to, I'm going to start resharing those older shows. Fact, I'll see if I can find the Riz one and we'll dig it out. Um, and, and we'll get it out there here, um, on the tales of this. I'm going to start recirculating because we've had a lot of new people that, and, um, I know a lot of you don't realize all those old shows are out there, but they are. Um, and there's a, um, we built a player into steering wheel nation, our, our hub, um, social hub, which doubles as our website. Um, it, it, we built, uh, we built a player for each of the shows. That's an archive player. So it has all the old, you can scroll down, you can see that it, it'll play the most current one, but then you can scroll down and click on older shows if you want. And, um, so I've got it, uh, uh, but we'll start uh, resharing some of those older shows too as content here because I know a lot of you haven't heard all of them. So, um, and I just to be able to interview the Mike Rizzo's, the Brian Herbs, and and you know those drivers. We had Joe Hawksby Senior on last week. You know, again, those were the drivers who spent their entire career just trying to get to the front. And Brian Herb, toward the end of his career, was lucky enough to do that. I say lucky, but not meaning it was by luck, but fortunate enough i guess i'll say to be able to accomplish that and climb that mountain get a feature win and again the crowd went nuts i was not you know i was not just a fan of doug haveron at that point i was a friend of doug's and 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 thankful 
to, to be called such, um, still am today. And, um, but it, that did not, I was as happy for Brian Herb as anybody else because I understood how hard Brian had tried and to see that happen. And it, it doesn't matter. It, it, people say, well, this guy won because this guy crashed or this guy knew. who cares. They won. <laughs> There's 24 guys, you know, that were starting in the swiggle feature at that point. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter how you win, you win. You had, you were the one. And so, yeah, great to, that was a, I think about that night sometimes. And, um, like I said, then the next week he, he passed his way up to second and chase dug back down. He almost beat him again. So I think it was the following week. So, um, you know, Brian had a little spurt there where he was, and, but again, he climbed that mountain and it's those guys that make the sport fun and interesting. And when they have their moment to me that, you know, I don't know that I'd be any happier if I was in the driver's seat and did it myself. Like, it's just so much fun to see, um, the drivers like that be able to go out and, you know, and especially for me now, and it, and not just in supers anywhere, any type of racing, because I know how hard it is to, to, to race a car, uh, any car. And I know how expensive, how much time, blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, you know, um, and that's my perspective on the sport in general has really changed over the years. And that's why when I see, um, when I, when I see that Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet and their high limit group bought the all-star circuit of champions from Tony Stewart, it's like, Oh boy, here you've got the world of outlaws who have just, I mean, when you think about being a part of a world of outlaws team that runs 80 to 90 race events a year, you're gone most of the season. And you, you need to think about that. Cause if you're married with kids, how does that work? Their lives go on kids have birthdays, kids get sick, kids start school, kid, you know, your, your, your wife, you have anniversaries you miss, like you're constantly on the road and your life while you're doing that is very insular. It stops because it's all about that series, right? And um, in the same for NASCAR's Cup Series with 36 weeks or whatever a year, that's most of the season. Most of the calendar year, you're gone for half the week. Now in, in the Outlaws, you're gone all week. So now what happens? The circuit, the All-Star Circuit of Champions was half the races, roughly, and it's more regional. So it not only was less costly, but less travel, less, t- you know, less time away. So what happens to it now? What are Kyle and Brad's plans? You have to think they're going to expand it. And so again, you know, you, you start thinking, well, how about the teams that currently run for championships in the all-star circuit of champions? If it goes from, you know, whatever it is now, 45 races, whatever it is to, to 70 races or whatever. And it starts running more out the West coast. That's more travel, more expense, more time away. How many of these teams are going to be able to do that? How many of them were running the all-stars because that's all they could really afford to do or all they wanted to do. And what if the all-stars now starts under high limit to look more like the outlaws? And, you know, so that's one of the big things I I'm always conscious of, of 
you know, the, the, the sacrifices that a lot of fans don't think about with some of these things that, that happen in the sport, you know, I mean, F1 doesn't run a whole bunch of races and they do get a break in the middle of the season, but still they're traveling worldwide, right? So, you know, how you do that and and maintain a life and a family and, you know, and you be a dad or a mom or whatever, I, you know, so when I think of the guys like Rizzo and Herb and it's obviously it's not so much, you know, travel, but just again, sacrifice when you, you know that they spend their entire career trying to get to that moment. And then when you finally have it, you have to be happy for them. So Riz got close, didn't quite get there, but doggone, he got close. And I think that if you, I think, you know, Mike would, would say that he enjoyed his career. And so that's, uh, and he started on dirt, I think, by the way, I think it was Bobby Stelter that talked him into running a Swiggo. Um, I think that first car he had was Bobby's old car. Wasn't it the 85 that Bobby had for a bit? Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed that next week. We get to talk about a legendary team with the number 35. Um, and that will kind of take us into a whole other area. So we'll get to that on, on the next show and our final what's in the number. Cause we've done the rest of them. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, thank you for, uh, joining us on this program again. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Please do support all of them. Um, we featured Wayne Hanslick and wiggity Wayne We hope that you'll, um, you'll go try some, pick your flavor and try it. Uh, he mentioned, he didn't mention on in the interview, the kick and hickory, uh, flavor, but that's, um, that's become a big thing too, uh, just here lately. So you might look into that, but, uh, pick something and try it and, um, and support, uh, support the companies that support our sport. Um, with that, we will say goodbye for this week. We'll be back on next week's show. We are going to have Jeff Battle on the next program. <coughs> and we're excited about that. Jeff is always a great guest, and um, that should be some fun. And who knows who else, because we're we're finally starting to have some luck lining folks up. So we've got a lot of content coming. Uh, we're going to do more this off season and we're going to expand a little bit into um, some of the, we, we are going to get to Jerry cook here, just trying to work around his schedule at this point. Um, probably won't be till after the um, NASCAR champion, the, the after um, Homestead, no uh, Phoenix is over with. Um, so we'll, uh, but we are going to get to Jerry Cook, and we'll we'll present some of that on this show as well for those of you who um, who enjoy that. And we'll probably have some other um, modified drivers as well from from that time. And and so we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to work on um, and expand slightly the palette of of what we cover here on the Groove going forward, um, just to envelop more of what currently races at Oswego. Um, so, uh, cause that's how we started the show in the first place in the early nineties was, you know, it was a show that covered everything. 
So um, we're going to expand a little bit and not, not going to forget supers by any means, just going to add a little bit more and do some more, um, more stuff going forward. Steeringwheelnation.com. You can join it. All you got to do is hit register. Just, just sign up um, because then you can join the channels that you want. So you only get the content that you want um, in your home feed and you can comment, you can share, you can like we've now, it's basically a social app. Okay. And we, we were trying to bring as much uh, in the variety uh, sense as we can from motorsports. And you're going to see more and more of that as we go forward um, and a lot more original content too. So steeringwheelnation.com. Until next time, I'm Tom Baker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be well. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.